Cocktails and Capitalism is an anti-capitalist project that amplifies the stories of activists and organizers while exposing true corporate crimes. Instead of using ads or sponsors, we've chosen to raise funds to continue this project through Patreon. If you can contribute even a dollar a month, that would really help us cover the expenses involved in running this independent media project. You can also support the show by getting yourself some Cocktails and Capitalism merch from my friends at Punk with a Camera and at Anti-Fascist Clothing or Anti-Fascist Memes, both of whom you can find on Instagram. These two have generously offered to fundraise for the show using their dope swag shops. So please go check out those shops and I'll add the links in the show notes. If you're looking for a way to support the show without spending any money, one great way to do this is by leaving a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. That really helps to increase our visibility and grow this anti-capitalist platform. You can also find us and follow us on Instagram, threads, Twitter, and YouTube. Hope you enjoy the show. Cheers and solidarity, folks. What's up, people? I'm Erica, and this is the Cocktails and Capitalism podcast, a show that pairs crafted beverages with stories distilled from our capitalist hellscape. Our guest today is Jewish-American activist and comedian Michael Scherzer, a.k.a. Mikey Intifada. He's the co-host of the Palestine Pod alongside Lara, a brilliant Palestinian-American lawyer. Together, they break down the latest Palestine-related news, providing historical context lighthearted commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting Palestinian liberation, justice, and equality on the ground and in exile. Mikey, how are you doing today? Hey, thank you so much for having me on the pod. The way I have been describing it is physically, I'm okay, mentally pretty bad. How are you? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that tracks for me too. I'm a uh, yeah, holding up. Uh, it's It's been a really, really dark time, and I cannot stop thinking about Palestine every single waking moment. So um, I'm really, really glad that you're, you're here to just talk through some of these things with me that have just been living rent, rent free in my head. <laughs> yes. That's what settlers often do is occupy rent free. So <laughs> damn, <laughs> that was a good one, dude. <laughs> so uh, on that note, um, we are drinking the free Palestine cocktail which is made with watermelon juice, uh, lime juice, simple syrup, um, a pinch of salt. And then if you want to add some kind of like a rock or um, any kind of clear alcohol, it goes well with the watermelon. And then also you can add in Midori, which is a green uh, green alcohol that can kind of layer at the bottom of the drink. So if you're watching here, you can kind of see that it's, it's a bit layered here. Yeah, so excited to dive in today. Um, uh, it's important to note that this cocktail is made with watermelon because watermelon has become a symbol of Palestinian resistance because it contains all of the colors of the Palestinian flag, um, which was outlawed at different points in, in the history. They could not display the Palestinian flag. So um, using watermelons as a symbol of, of their pride um, became a kind of a symbol of resistance that was just so beautiful. So 
Um, our resident anti-capitalist bartender crafted this drink and did a good job of incorporating that, that in there. You can find the recipe for the free Palestine cocktail in the show notes. This is going to be a wild ride with you. <laughs> um, I uh, wanted to start by just asking you, how did you escape Zionist brainwashing and end up becoming the Jewish co-host of the Palestine pod? Yeah, thank you. So before the age of 18, I had never heard a negative word about Israel, which I now refer to as the occupation of Palestine, right? I was even in a Jewish fraternity where I was hazed with a bunch of new recruits. It was about like eight to 10 American guys. And then two guys who had served in the Israeli occupation army. And we were being, we were blindfolded. We had our hands tied behind our backs. They were playing loud music. We were in a dark room. They were hazing us. And, uh, most of the Americans in that pledge class were rightfully uncomfortable. And <laughs> the Israeli guys were having a good time. They were having a grand old time. They were laughing. They were joking. And we were like, you guys are tied up too. Like, why are you psychos laughing right now? And they were laughing because they said to us, we used to do this to Palestinians all the time. Now, it was in that moment for me that like a lot of things clicked. I realized, hey, maybe everything I've been told was not exactly accurate, right? And then yeah. it just so happened that that incident coincided with uh, the apartheid week that Students for Justice for Palestine has at UCSB. And I was walking by the exhibit. I saw, you know, Israel is an apartheid state, and I had never really engaged with that statement in a way that I should have. And so I started talking to Palestinians. I started listening to their stories. I started reading on my own, right? Edward Said, Ilan Pape, and Dr. Angela Davis. And... You know, I realized that uh, everything I had been told was a lie. And so for a long time, I, you know, was working like behind the scenes. I was signing petitions, like real non-committal stuff. But eventually I just was overwhelmed and I started making videos about the occupation of Palestine. Right. I started making videos where I was just like taking Zionist so-called logic and destroying it in a way that was entertaining to a lot of people. And so Palestinians were like, yo, who is this Jew right here? You know, um, and that is how I came on the radar of Lara, a Gazan girl on Instagram. And she was just a fan. We were fans of each other's work. Honestly, she was one of the only people at the time that was like, talking about the inefficacy of the International Criminal Court and how international legal institutions are failing their responsibility. And this was like three years ago, right? <laughs> and so I was wow. like, oh, cool, you're a lawyer. You know what you're talking about? Like, just we both were exchanging messages. And then she said to me, she was like, we should start a podcast. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. And honestly, I'm so glad that she asked me because... She has been so important 
to my understanding of family and community, right? She feels like a sister because she is my sister. Like I love her and respect her so much. And she's so impressive in everything she does. I just sent you her speech. It's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this, this is one of the reasons. One of the things that I cried about today was this speech that, that Michael sent me. And oh my God, Laura just... I encourage everybody to watch it. We can we can link it in the show notes. Um, Please. But just talking about the experience of being Palestinian right now um, and how horrific it is to not even be believed right now um, on top of all of the atrocities that are being committed. I mean, but it was just literally the most powerful thing I've ever heard. So <laughs> everyone go listen to that. Yeah. But. Yeah. Stop listening to this podcast, actually, and go listen to that. So- <laughs> Don't eat, like, pause this and come back, okay? And then you'll understand why I am so impressed with her. Yeah, totally. And I'm so, so glad that you two lined up and were able to do this show together because, because right now, so much of the pushback to anyone who is advocating for Palestinian rights comes in the form of accusations of anti Semitism. And (laughs) you, as a Jewish person, speaking there as a brother to a Palestinian activist and lawyer talking together and sharing with the world what is really happening. Um, it's such a powerful form of reaching people when w- there is so much propaganda, there's so much one side versus the other side. Uh, but no, you guys just blow straight through that, <laughs> which yeah. I really love. Thanks. I mean, we can talk about the false accusations of anti-Semitism to shut down a criticism of the occupation, right? <laughs> And in 2002, on Democracy Now!, former Zionist government minister Shulamit Aloni confessed that, quote, it's a trick for Israel to use false anti-Semitism accusations, right? She said, if people in the United States criticize the occupation, it's anti-Semitism. If the critics are in Europe, the Zionists will weaponize the Holocaust. It wasn't new back then, and they've been doing it ever since the beginning of the settler colony. Anti-Semitism, of course, exists, but the Zionists are attempting to categorize criticism of settler colonialism as anti-Semitism, which is, of course, preposterous, and we cannot allow it to happen. They have organizations whose entire budgets rely on these inflated numbers. And just a few days ago, um, Congress overwhelmingly approved a resolution affirming Israel's right to exist. And in that resolution, they equate anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. So like all, essentially all of the politicians in this country are lining up to say that, you know, being anti-Zionism is being anti-Semitic, which is just horrifying. Yeah, they are trying to discourage people at the legislative level for standing up for Palestinians. And, you know, for some people, it's working. It's so disturbing. Can you explain why, as an American Jew, and as a human being more generally, you are so deeply committed to the cause of Palestinian justice and liberation? Yeah, thank you for that question. Judaism is rooted in justice. The phrase tikkun olam means to heal the world, which I understand as 
the freedom for the oppressed people, indigenous people everywhere, and the return to native practices and control over the land, right? That's why it's so crucial that everybody should be speaking loudly about Palestine right now. Poet June Jordan and Dr. Angela Davis have said, Palestine is the moral litmus test of our era. So it's like, why do people want to argue with Dr. Angela Davis about civil rights? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why do people want to debate Nelson Mandela on apartheid? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you cannot call yourself a feminist if right now you're not speaking about Palestinian women giving birth with no anesthesia. Like, we're in fucking medieval times or something, right? Because the Israeli siege on Gaza doesn't allow medicine in. They are breastfeeding newborns if they make it and they haven't had a proper meal in months, right? Can you imagine if Ukrainian women were giving birth with no anesthesia? Wolf Blitzer simply wouldn't allow it. (laughs) God, yeah. Like, you cannot call yourself a climate activist if you don't know about the burning of olive trees. Trees that have been there for thousands of years that are a symbol of Palestinian life and connection to the land. The trees themselves pose such a threat to the weak Zionist narrative that Zionists will burn them down because all they know is death and destruction. You know what's not great for the environment? Dropping the equivalent of 2 million nuclear bombs on political prisoners and refugees. And that's like actually an old statistic, unfortunately, at this moment, because as the bombs are raining down now, as we speak, we can't properly attest the figures. Like they keep dropping bombs quicker than we can catalog it. Doesn't that worry anyone? Is that not of concern to the world? You can't call yourself a progressive if you vote to fund the illegal occupation of Palestine or vote to approve the funding of the Iron Dome. And that goes for the squad who, as you just mentioned, voted to equate criticism of settler colonial apartheid with anti-Semitism. The world is paying attention finally to the genocide happening right now in Gaza as they experience their own Nekba, right? Their own 1948. But people need to realize that there has been a genocide happening every day for the last 75 years. So many people like to wax poetic about what they would have done in the civil rights movement or how they would have been against apartheid in South Africa. I'm realizing those same people would have slapped the cuffs on Mandela himself. And then they would lie about it later down the line, right? They'd say that they were always on the right side of history. Like those white folks barking at black activists sitting at dining counters would have you believe they were yelling out menu specials. Like people want to talk a big game about what they would have done during enslaved rebellions or you know, if they would have hid Jewish people during World War II. In every single scenario, everyone believes they're the hero, or like at the very least on the right side of history. But just look around. What are you doing right now? We don't need to play make-believe. We don't need to imagine what if. It's happening, and a lot of people are failing the test. 
I don't know it's why it's so hard for some people to understand that the same reason why we as leftists, as people that care about humanity, would oppose the Holocaust is the same reason that we are opposing this Nakba, like this incredible, like absolute devastation of all of Gaza. It's it's so unconscionable and disgusting. Every time I speak to people in Gaza, it feels like I'm talking to my relatives through like a time portal, right? Mm. It's the same thing. They're like, we're scared. The, like, there's no electricity. We have nowhere to go. Mm. It feels mm. like I'm talking to my relatives from another time. Like the ones who didn't make it and hopefully the ones who did. So much of what I would hope to see from the Jewish community, I see from you, and I am seeing from a, so many people that are opposing this genocide, so many Jewish people um, that understand that the same thing that happened then is happening now. And is it's not that hard to wrap your brain around, but for so many people, because we've been fed so much propaganda, they just can't see it until they're fed the right source or something. And I mean, it's not even like a comparison necessarily. Some of them are the same people, right? There are Nazis mm -hmm. who were incorporated into the Israeli intelligence state and apparatus. The United States had a similar program incorporating people into the CIA. So it's not a comparison yeah. for those who don't want us to compare. It's uh, they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> You talked about just the sheer volume of bombs that are being detonated across Gaza. It's mind-blowing to think that so many of these are being targeted by AI at this point so that they can choose targets at a much more rapid rate than they would if they were just using their own human intelligence. It's fucking horrifying. What does that what does that spell out for the future of humanity more generally? Like this is the dystopia that we've been watching on the TV and it is happening right fucking now. Also, it's a demonstration of how stupid the average occupation officer is, right? It's like, oh, you can't even kill people correctly? Your job is to do genocide and you can't even do that on your own? <laughs> Jesus. You need a fucking computer's yeah. help for this? You moron? Yeah. They're like busy yeah. filming yeah. TikToks while AI is deciding who dies. It's a really dystopian oh world that we're living in. Wow. And that's literally what's happening. That's not hyperbole. <laughs> I was wondering if you could answer, why should everyone be calling this a genocide of the Palestinian people? Because that's the only accurate description. Like, I suppose if you want to call it something else and then be at odds with reality, that's your prerogative. But if you're a media spokesperson or a politician who wants to be publicly wrong, that's kind of on them, right? Like they never had any credibility to lose it anyway. So why would they care? And I would say that anybody who isn't willing to call it a genocide is a gelatinous invertebrate. Okay, they are spineless. Um, I don't know how they stand up on their own. And they are at odds with over 800 genocide scholars who have confirmed that it is a genocide now, which honestly, at this point feels like the next Israeli hashtag, hashtag genocide now. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Yeah, like for scale, think about it. For scale, the Nazis killed 750 people a day at Auschwitz, okay? Zionists have had days where they killed upwards of 1,000 or 1,500 Palestinians per day. How can any person support this? Forget your religion, right? 
But on top of that, like yeah. if you add the historical context of what has happened to the Jews during World War II, as well as black people and Romani, how could anyone take like how could anybody who takes Judaism seriously support this? How could anyone who grew up as I did with their grandparents and their parents telling them horror stories from the Holocaust support mm. being on the other side of the fence? Yeah. People in my family were killed by the Nazis in the Holocaust. Mm. It would be a disservice to their memory to not try my hardest to prevent the same thing from happening to other people, to the literal descendants of Jesus Christ. Who in their fucking right mind would justify denying water, denying food, denying medicine to the literal descendants of Jesus Christ? Half of whom are children. Yes, a million children, right? But it's like adults deserve food too, right? Everybody deserves food yeah, and water. Yeah. And it's actually the legal responsibility of the occupation to provide it as an occupying power. And so when they cut it off, that's that's par for the course of genocide. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't planned to ask you about this, but the right to self-defense in this in this circumstance, a lot of people are are citing Israel's right to self-defense right now. Against what? Against like aid workers and water bottles. Ugh, yeah. Against hospitals. Yeah. They're undefeated against hospitals, I guess. Um, yeah, they don't have a, a right. They don't have a right to self-defense as an occupying power, whereas Palestinians do have a right to armed self-defense armed resistance against an occupying power, as was confirmed by the UN. I believe the resolution is 4433, uh, but don't hold me to it. You can just Google Palestine self-defense UN, and it'll probably pop up. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what I'm saying is that anytime Palestinians resist, it is legal and morally justified. Whereas anytime the occupation bombs Palestinians, they are murdering political prisoners and refugees. It's against international law. It's against every single law that exists. I mean, this whole, this genocide is really, really showing so many people right now the hollowness of international law, of democracy, when we can't get our politicians to agree to, to a ceasefire, which the vast majority of the people in this country want. It's showing us the the insanity of the media and how completely biased and completely bought the media is. I mean, it's really peeling back so many of the layers of 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 the propaganda and all of the wool that has been pulled over our eyes for so long, that which has been giving me a lot of hope. Just seeing that that so much of the narrative is shifting and so much of the perspective of so many Americans and other people around the world is shifting. I mean, we were probably, you know, light years behind other people as Americans, but yeah, it's at least there's a lot to be hopeful about there. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen a tremendous amount of growth from people showing up to protests, people engaging in organizations. There's a lot of interest for resources and it is Good to see, but uh, the urgency is a bit higher than some people recognize, I think, right? Like there's a yeah. literal genocide yeah. happening right now, but like bodies are piling up and we don't have a ton of time to like sing Kumbaya and talk about our feelings. We need to be dismantling weapons manufacturers. 
Yes, yes. And that is why we're talking with the folks at Pal Action. We spoke with them before, and then we're going to be speaking with the U.S. chapter pretty soon. Hell yeah. Love that. That's that's my good friend. We're, you know, it's, it's a collective of a lot of people, but one of my good friends, Max, is a formative member oh. of the group. And oh, we had him on I the podcast know you- <laughs> as well. Yeah. Oh, Hell yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know about Max. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode. That's so cool. So on the Palestine pod and using social media, you've been doing so much to report on the truth of this genocide. Part of this has been debunking all of the continuous lies from the Israeli government. I was hoping that you could just kind of highlight some of the lies that were the most appalling, the most striking. Yeah. I mean... At this point, what have they not lied about, right? Like we don't have enough time in a single day to record every Zionist lie. But here mm-hmm. are a few choice ones. They lied about the music festival and the kibbutzim, right? We know it was an Apache helicopter that targeted everything in that area, including Israelis attending the festival. And this comes from Haaretz, a Zionist news source, and directly from the military personnel who gave the orders cry about it with them. Don't come in my comments. We know they lied <laughs> about <laughs> we li- we know they lied about the 40 babies thing because a CNN reporter apologized and even genocide Joe walked back his statement that he saw any evidence and that is tough for him because he can barely walk forward. They lied. <laughs> they lied about the sexual assault when they themselves are known for sexually assaulting men and women in their dungeons, prisons, at checkpoints, during night raids, etc. It's also known as a safe haven for pedophiles. Many American Jewish pedophiles have simply picked up and left to avoid prosecution, resettling in the occupation. It's all a projection, okay? They lied about bombing the hospital because they actually tweeted about bombing the hospital and then they kept bombing other hospitals, like almost every hospital. Uh, has anyone thought to ask why the occupation is at war with hospitals, right? What's going on? Every video the resistance uploads is them running up to a tank on foot with explosives. And every video the occupation posts is them doing TikToks in an exploded hallway of a hospital. Just This has just become their excuse to commit their genocide more efficiently. Were there more lies there that you wanted to highlight? Um, no, that's good. I don't, I don't love okay, to pay yeah. too much attention to the Zionist narrative, but I debunk yeah. stuff that has like percolated into the mainstream so that the record can be corrected. But as yeah, much as yeah. possible, I try and avoid interacting with Zionists. It's much cleaner that way. It's like using a bidet. i did not expect to laugh this much this episode jesus christ (laughs) well i am a comedian as well as an activist and i was i was a comedian first right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love it i mean we were really like when we recorded three episodes on the history of palestine we were like so upset going through the information that like so much of the time we like 
we had to laugh about things because we were so deeply, deeply disturbed that everything was so uncomfortable if we didn't laugh about it a little bit. And then we yeah. felt bad about laughing about it. But, you know, you, you just have well, to fucking make your way through this stuff. Palestinians have a hilarious sense of humor, right? They are master or like they are so efficient at sarcasm and like dry humor, dark humor, because trauma, <laughs> right, brings about yeah. humor as a coping mechanism. It's actually eerily similar to why so many Jews are funny, right? And oh my God, wow! So it comes full circle in that moment, and it's terrible. Like I can, I can identify with the sense of humor of a lot of Palestinians because similar stories. My grandparents oh my made God. it over here, right? Their grandparents made it over here. Not everybody made it, though. I never would have thought of that connection with the sense of humor and comedy like that. But it makes so much sense. It absolutely tracks. I can completely see that being true. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to shift to talking a little bit about how your work to advocate for Palestine has affected you on a personal level. Can you talk about how it has affected your relationships with friends and family? And have you learned any like strategies or lessons about how to defend yourself when you are advocating for Palestine? <laughs> I heard a great quote recently, and I'm sorry that I don't know the source, but it was, uh, you won't be able to take everybody in the revolution with you. Mm. Right. Wow. And so yeah. for my personal relationships, I would say it's not great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, my parents love me deeply, which I'm very blessed with, and we don't always agree on everything, but I think that they understand what I'm doing is important. Um, you know, but on the other hand, I've got so-called family who I haven't spoken to in years, who once my videos go viral are reaching out to me suddenly to tell me how embarrassed they are to be related to me, how they oh and God. their family want nothing to do with me. And it's like, okay, wow, what a tremendous loss. I haven't spoken to you in years, right? And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we also don't share the same name. So what are you embarrassed about? Like, who even knows we're related? It's an insane thing to say to me. But yeah. it is very Zionist of her to try and use our bloodline to insult me, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. then as far as like defending myself, like, you know, I know in my heart of hearts, what I'm doing is correct. I came from the other side, right? I've heard all of the Zionist talking points. I am supremely unmoved by them. I unlearn Zionism and so can anyone who truly wants to, if they commit themselves. I don't recommend engaging with Zionists online or in person at all, okay? If Zionists want to argue, tell them to take it up with Dr. Angela Davis, Malcolm X, Kwame Ture, Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, etc. Okay, they can waste their breath all day. Who do they have as a figurehead of their movement, right? Ross from Friends, yeah. Amy Schumer, oh, geez. Sarah Silverman. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> I think I'm good where I'm standing at. <laughs> have you found that there are any like talking points that will really get folks who do not understand your pro-Palestine perspective to hear it. Like one one thing that I have found is that in some of the discussions that I've had with Jewish folks who have reached out to me about the content that I've been sharing, 
talking to them and sharing articles with them about how Hamas was funded by Israel <laughs> and is largely a creation of Israel, um, that often gets them to start to think and reflect a little bit more and, you know, dig a little deeper. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm wondering if you have any, any things like that that would be good to bring up. Yeah. I mean, I would just recommend that they read Palestinians' work. Right. There's a ton of books like anything by Edward Said, The Question of Palestine, um, and listen to Palestinians who are still alive, who are doing the work to activists on the ground, who are the grandparents or sorry, are the grandchildren of survivors of mm -hmm. the Nekba. Right. Listen to these first person yeah. testimonials and uh, recognize that, you know, maybe Anderson Cooper is not always telling the truth. <laughs> No, that's that is a really important point to make. Look, look to the actual Palestinian people who are speaking right now. And they are yes. they are trying to use so many of them are trying to use their voices and they are being silenced. They are being taken off of Instagram, off of all these social media accounts. Like mm -hmm. it is horrendous seeing the kind of suppression of Palestinian voices that is taking place right now when they are literally trying to raise awareness about the genocide of their people. Oh, yeah. Lara has lost access to her account four times in the last two weeks. And it was each time she lost access to her account, it was right before the occupation committed a major massacre, like bombing a refugee camp or a school, etc. Because they want to be able to do that in darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it seems like a very calculated thing because just like they are they are targeting journalists, they are trying to completely black out what is happening there? They want to. They want a complete media blackout. So, shutting down Palestinian voices right when they are going to do commit some horrible atrocities. That's very strategic. At the time of recording this podcast, seventy-two journalists have been murdered by the occupation of Palestine, and that's like going to be outdated by the time this is edited and published. Yeah. Right? They yeah. remember when killing a journalist was against international law? Do we remember that? <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember when That's killing right. one yeah. journalist would be cause for alarm? They are stacking yeah. up bodies of journalists and even more bodies of everybody else in Gaza. And then it's like, mm -hmm. okay, assume that you live through the very traumatic experience of being airstriked by the occupation, right? You're now homeless. You're now gathering every belonging you have and moving to where is presumed safe, even though it's not actually safe. There's no water. There's no food. There's no medicine. You, if you're struck by shrap shrapnel, you've got to be sewn up with no anesthesia, right? Mm -hmm. You are likely to incur disease. Right now, disease is spreading inside of Gaza. And the occupation's media is bragging about it because <gasps> it's a strategy of genocide. Yeah, the callousness, the the bragging and the making fun of the Palestinians right now, It's it's... It's really, really horrifying, and I hope that a lot of people are seeing that and waking up when they see <laughs> see how disgusting that is. Yeah. In a kind of similar vein to talking about, you know, the the losses that you have suffered in relation to friends and family because of the work that you're doing, I want to talk about like money. <laughs> so, in one of your recent videos, you talk about how you've repeatedly been accused of engaging in Palestine solidarity work for the money. Why is this absolutely fucking ridiculous? I think everybody knows that you get into this work for the money, right? It's <laughs> uh, the most lucrative industry 
in the world. No, it's like every Zionist accusation is a confession, right? They had to bribe people to go to their genocide rally in D.C. with a stipend of $250. And we know there is a multi-million dollar industry of paid online trolls who comment about the occupation and try and influence public opinion across all social media platforms, right? It's called Hasbara. Those are the folks who gave me my nickname, Mikey Intifada, right? They thought it would be an <laughs> insult to me. <laughs> they thought it would insult me. But I took it like a badge of honor, right? There are so many <laughs> stories of people losing their jobs right now, losing brand deals, losing opportunities because they've spoken about Palestine. Nobody gets into this for the money, like maybe with the exception of Sean King. Um, but there is not like a money-making industry with Palestine, right? This is a cause of principle. It's a dignified struggle, right? There's also an entire mm -hmm. website run by Zionists dedicated to the blacklisting of people and making sure that they don't get work. I've been on the website. Mm -hmm. And it's a nifty little <laughs> trick, right? They blacklist you and then accuse you of doing it for money. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. But I'll say personally, I've had them reach out to every single comedy club in Los Angeles to try and make sure that I don't get booked there. Okay. Jokes Jesus. on them. I already don't get booked there. Um, but <laughs> that's none of their concern, right? If anything, they put me on the map for them. They're like, who is this guy? Um, no. <laughs> um, but I've actually lost out on shows for sure. I know I've, they've reached out to the venues that I was posted on a flyer. And uh, I've also been like, they no, no venue too small. I was unbooked from an open mic a coffee shop oh in God. Austin, Texas. I was meant to do what a 10-minute set at a open mic, which is the lowest of the totem pole in the performance world. And like, <laughs> my friend calls me and he's like, hey, so uh, the venue got like a bunch of calls about you saying that you like support oh murder God. and stuff. And look, they, oh I know God. you. I know you. Like my friend is trying to reassure me. He's like, I know you, I know you, um, but you can't do the open mic. And I was like, okay, you know what I mean? It's fine. I ended up performing at the best comedy club in Austin, the comedy mothership anyway <laughs> that night. But it was just like, oh, nice. I was going to, I was going to cancel the spot anyway, but it was crazy that it like coalesced with that moment. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the absurdity of thinking that anyone would, be benefited by getting into this work when all of the powers that be are stacked up against you if you are doing this work and and your 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 battle to carve out a space on social media or carve out a space anywhere is going to be opposed you know you will have people trying to shut down the work that you are doing um you know yeah we are definitely seeing people being fired all across the country and and people in universities being being fired being let go being you know blacklisted so Absolutely. Yeah, it's horrifying. One of our episodes of the Palestine pod, we had Dr. Steve Salida, who was a professor at a university, and then he was fired for his tweets. And, you know, his tweets made sense. They were good tweets. They were thoughtful tweets. And his university just terminated his employment. Have Check that episode out. He's a scholar of Native American studies. It's episode 10 of the Palestine pod decolonizing wow. Native America and Palestine. Oh, I love that. I'll definitely check that one out. So 
on the same in the same vein of talking about how this relates to money, I wanted to shift to talking about APAC and its influence over the US government and policy and how that influence how that influences the situation that's currently unfolding in Gaza. You got smooth transitions, you know that? <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. It's and all comedy about the organization. we call that transition. <laughs> very uh, nice very nice yeah <laughs> i have to plan it out so, i don't do it it's, it doesn't come naturally <laughs> <laughs> so on apac i will say that obama has said member this is a quote from war criminal barack obama members of both parties worried about crossing the american israeli public affairs committee if they say anything negative about the occupation of palestine they will face a well-funded challenger in the next election. Jimmy Carter spoke about the power of the Zionist lobby in an interview where he said that they are wholly dedicated to what's best for the government of the occupation of Palestine. Right? I don't think I, as a comedian, need to comment further when two ex-presidents have gone on record. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, the financial stranglehold there is is such a huge factor with everything that we're seeing. Apparently, APAC actually offered $20 million to another Senate candidate to run against Rashida Tlaib. That amount of money <laughs> that is being injected into our political sphere to shut out Palestinian voices once again, it's just horrifying. So bad. Yeah. There's APAC, and then APAC has a ton of sub-organizations who are also doing the devil's work of lobbying for the occupation of Palestine. Mm -hmm. Right. There's also J Street as well. And mm -hmm. uh, they're not affiliated with APAC, but they are in line with their um, mission, which is enhancing the settler colonial state. But even they at points have they've come out and said like hey can you guys like tone down the terrorism because it's actually getting hard for us Jesus. to tell the lie over here i mean that's insane <laughs> that's so insane yeah. tone down the terrorism tone down the genocide a bit <laughs> god damn yeah. you know it's bad when apac is giving you notes right yeah yeah oh my god i don't know do you think it would be good to add in something about the difference between Zionism and Judaism or? Oh, sure. Yeah, I can do a quick. So a lot of people right now are unfamiliar with a lot of terminology. So I'd love to just clarify that anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism, right? Because Zionism is a political ideology and not a religion. Judaism is a religion that has been around for thousands of years, right? Zionism is a political ideology that has resulted in the occupation of Palestine and the dispossession and expulsion of the majority of the Palestinian population so that there are 6 million Palestinian refugees all over the world right now. People are like, oh, but, you know, Zionism is such an important part of Judaism. And it's like, actually, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I spoke to Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, episode 100 of the Palestine Pod. He broke down specifically what it is to be Jewish, right? And how Zionists have stolen Jewish identity 
in an attempt to cloak themselves from any criticism, right, of their mm-hmm. war crimes. Mm-hmm. They are using Judaism as a mental apartheid wall from any sort of criticism, right, for their war crimes, for their yeah. crimes against humanity. And Jews all over the world are saying, that's not for us. We don't like that. We're not pro-genocide. We are people who are meant to be talking about justice, right? Do not kill. Do not steal our fundamental core Jewish values. What do Zionists do every day? Kill and steal, right? A lot of them who claim to be Jewish, right, who say God gave them the land, do not even believe in God. Yeah. How can God give you the land if you don't, you know what I mean? Like, oh, God gave you the land and it stops there. It makes no sense. Furthermore, a lot of Zionists are Christian, right? There are more Mm -hmm. Christian Zionists, about 50 million, than there are Jews, like, anywhere. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, Christian Zionists outnumber so-called Jewish Zionists heavily, right? And you have people like Joe Biden, who is himself an evangelical Christian Zionist, who says things like, you don't need to be a Jew to be a Zionist. We would have created Israel if it was, if it didn't exist. He's like, it's the best money. It's the best investment we've ever made. Um, You know, and so to those, and also Zionism itself is a concept that existed prior to Theodore Herzl using it as a means Mm -hmm. to justifying Palestine's colonization, right? He he took mm-hmm. Zionism from Christianity. Christians used to be proselytizing Zionism all throughout Europe, everywhere in North Africa. They were trying to get Jews to go to Jerusalem so that they could bring about the rapture, right? So that two-thirds of Jews could be murdered and then the rest could convert to Christianity in what the prophecy calls the apocalypse, right? That's what they want. That's what Christian Zionism is. And for the longest time before the Holocaust, most Jews were like, "Mm, that doesn't seem like a great deal, actually. You know what I mean? I don't think I want to pick up and leave and get raptured. Like the Jews Mm -hmm. can spot a bad Mm -hmm. deal. Okay. Um, (laughs) But then after the Holocaust, the Zionist movement collaborated with the Nazi movement to facilitate the transfer of people to Palestine, right? They had a common enemy, a Mm -hmm. common problem. And uh, Theodore Mm -hmm. Herzl himself, he said that anti-Semites will be our best friends, our best allies, right? Anti-Semitic countries will help us in our mission. Oh, God, I didn't know that he said that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And literal Nazis were incorporated into the occupation's government, right? It's a fluid transition. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and it's not just Nazis, like South Africans from apartheid South Africa have converted to Judaism so that they can go settle in the West Bank. They're like, the apartheid scheme is done here. So we are Jews now, I guess. You know what I mean? It couldn't be less Jewish. And so, yeah, you know, it's got nothing to do. And then also, of course, there are Palestinian Christians. It's the the fucking birthplace of Christ. 
You know what I mean? Like they are the literal yeah. descendants of yeah. Jesus Christ. So yes, there are Christians mm-hmm. there. The occupation just bombed one of the oldest churches in Gaza that goes back to like 11 something, you know? So it's not a thing. It's, it's not like necessarily about religion, but the Zionists definitely use religion as a means to cloak themselves from any criticism of their war crimes. Now they're trying to make it literally illegal to vocalize those thoughts, right? Even for Jewish people to say what you're doing is not a representation of Judaism, it's actually fascism. And the government, fascist government, is like, you're a terrorist now. Pretty good stuff. You know what I mean? So I guess I'll see you in the terrorist jail cell number 674. Like, Wow, yeah. Oh, my God. And I think that it's fair to argue that, you know, Zionism is actually akin to anti-Semitism because so much of the reason for Zionism is anti-Semitic and it's very, it's very origin. Like get these mm-hmm. Jews out of here and expel mm-hmm. them and put them all in one fucking place where we can exactly. corral them. We know where they are. It's like, that is so disgusting. And, and it's a, a part of the picture that I rarely hear anyone point out um, that actually Zionism Instead of being, you know, the same thing as Judaism, it is actually the same thing as anti-Semitism. <laughs> that would be a great way of reframing it because Zionism is predicated on anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do the Jews uh, need to be separate? Jews exist yeah. all over the world. We are beautifully a part of so many different cultures. Why would we want to be robbed of that? Why would we want to lose that? Why don't I yeah. speak Yiddish, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's because totally it's because I was sent to Hebrew school and I don't even speak Hebrew. Mm -hmm. That place sucked, dude. Fuck that place. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. For folks listening who really want to do something right now and want to show up for the Palestinian people, what is the best course of action that they can take? So I want to say welcome you're now in a dignified struggle. You're among many of history's greatest figures. And uh, the best thing you can do is read their works, right? Get educated. So I've already recommended a number of books. Check those out. Follow pages like Palestinian Youth Movement, Within Our Lifetime, the Palestine Academy, my co-host, Gazan Girl, uh, and then also the Palestine Pod, right? You need to advocate in your immediate circle, at home, at your workplace, in your local councils. Get engaged in your community with organizers for Palestine, people like local SJP chapters, Students for Justice in Palestine, as well as local mutual aid organizations, right? Donate and join groups like Palestine Action and Palestine Action Mm -hmm. U.S., who are doing the crucial work of dismantling the war machine by destroying weapons manufacturing sites, right? You don't have to do everything, but you have to do something. Nobody is telling you that you have to pick up a sledgehammer and smash a window at a weapons manufacturing company, right? But... You can buy a sledgehammer if you for did. somebody who, yeah, I know, for real. the feeling is probably unmatched, right? <laughs> um, 
Cheers to that. But <laughs> you can certainly buy a sledgehammer for somebody who would, right? Yeah. And so that's totally. the way that I would tell you to get involved. Like, get involved in a way that you feel comfortable, right? And then once you're comfortable, mm-hmm. step outside that comfortable that comfort zone and push yourself because Palestinians really need you in this moment. And it's not just Palestine. Yeah. The world really needs you in this moment. They will not stop with Palestine. They've already talked about yeah. trying to take back Lebanon. They're involved in a lot of coups in South America. So they are a growing issue to world safety, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's going to take every single one of us to stop them because the media is not helping us. Yeah, that. That was so great. Thank you for laying out all of those ways that folks should be getting um, involved, getting active. Um, And I will add links to these different things in the show notes. Um, But yeah, and do you want to say anything more about um, the Palestine pod, how folks can um, support the Palestine pod or uh, your comedy work and how folks can support that? Yeah. I'll say that uh, through doing the Palestine pod, I've become the type of person who I always wanted to be. Like, I'm definitely not a hero, but I feel better about myself doing something. Um, And so I would encourage everybody to do something like the Palestine pod in whatever capacity they are expressive, right? Media, cooking, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know what I mean? Like you express yourself Mm -hmm. in the way that is organic to you. And follow us, please, at the Palestine Pod on Instagram, um, the www.palestinepod.com for all of our like episodes, and we upload sources as well. We also do a Patreon, so we have a uh, additional podcast that we do. And it's an hour or so, maybe like thirty minutes to an hour of extra content of sort of like more laid back, more personal. We cover pop culture politics and just uh you know get a little more intimate with our uh patreon subscribers and then um yeah you can come see me around la i don't know when this is coming out but i will be at flappers comedy club in burbank california on december 13th with ida rodriguez oh shit and uh then i will be at Flights in El Segundo on Tuesday, the 12th, I want to say. Yes, December 12th, I'll be at Flights in El Segundo. And then on New Year's Eve, I'm doing shows at the Westside Comedy Theater in uh, Santa Monica with my good, dear friend, Morgan J. Nice. Uh, Now I really want to make a trip down to LA just to go and see you. That would be so fun. I look forward to Zionists trying to get me unbooked from all those shows, but unfortunately for them, all of those people love me. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure there's plenty more people that are going to want to start booking you right now. I mean... I wouldn't say plenty more, but there's, you know... I'll be okay. There should be. It's there not about be. me. And literally, I would sacrifice anything for Palestine. And that's what people mm. need to be like. They need to be dedicated enough to give it all up if that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michael. This has been such an illuminating discussion. And I'm really, really grateful that you were able to join me to just kind of shed light on what is happening from a Jewish perspective and from a perspective that is like, 
deeply compassionate and also can bring some levity to this horrific, dark, just mortifying time. This is this is the darkest shit that I've ever lived through. And yeah, I'm just deeply, deeply grateful to you, to Lara, to all of the folks who are using their voices right now to fight for Palestinian liberation and justice. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really great to talk to you. And uh, if you want to hear something funny, you remember how I was holding this mic at the beginning of the episode? Yeah. I realized about yeah. 10 minutes in, it's not plugged in. So anyway. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I've been I've been recording on, I think, my uh, AirPods or something. So uh, <laughs> hopefully the sound the quality weed, won't be You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I think, I mean, <laughs> when I was doing a sound check, it wasn't plugged in. So, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's it was never plugged in. <laughs> It's kind of like uh, so Zionism, you know what I mean? Like it was a lie the whole time. All right. <laughs> <laughs>